0: Welcome in to the Motown Rundown. I am your host, Ryan Rabinowitz, coming to you from the Impact 89 FM studios on the campus of Michigan State University. We have intro music now. Check that out. Moving up in the world. If this is your first time joining me on our journey throughout all things Detroit sports, welcome in. Glad to have you. Appreciate you showing up. If you are back after listening to episode one, which has recently been released, thanks for coming back. I, I'm I'm glad you're at least sticking around for one more episode. Hope to get more out of you. So again, Motown Rundown, episode two, your home for all things Detroit sports, professional sports in the city of Detroit. So today, unfortunately, I I hate to break the news, but we're no lions today as they're kind of in their off season lull between the draft and getting into training camp and all that good stuff. So today we're going to go Red Wings, we're going Pistons, and we're going Tigers. Red Wings, we're going to kick off with some new news as far as what they're going to be doing with their sixth pick in the draft. Pistons, we'll talk about, I mean, if there's anything to talk about because they're not doing anything clearly, we'll talk about their who they're looking at for their coaching hire, GM hire, all that good stuff. And then we'll move into Tigers. How about them Tigers? Hashtag Rally Goose four-game win streak. Gotta love it. So we'll move right in to the Red Wings. And so again, obviously the Red Wings are not in season, and I I gave you my spiel on the last episode as far as their season recap, what I feel their offseason needs are, and all that jazz. But recently I've read some reports that the Red Wings are actually looking to trade out of their sixth pick in the draft, which initially as I look at it, I'm completely fine with because I understand that where you're sitting at is six is kind of a tough spot because obviously you're presumably your top five guys are probably going to be gone unless one of the guys in the top five falls. And usually those top five guys will, they can probably make an impact pretty soon in the league. And then when you're sitting at six, you have your guys, yeah, probably six through 10, six through 12 that are just kind of a toss up between if you get lucky, you can put them in the lineup right away. And if not, they might take some time, but what i've read recently coming from a couple sources from mlive.com and the athletic has said that the wings are looking to trade out of that sixth pick. Now it's interesting because mlive has said that the wings are looking to move up in the draft and the athletic has said they're looking to move down. So i let's just go through each scenario. Again, the draft is a little bit a little bit ways away. We're still in the last series of the Stanley Cup playoffs which has been a great series so far between Vegas and Washington. But let's let's look at each scenario. So let's say they trade up, which which Ansar Khan, who's a writer for MLive.com, dot com, has reported that they'll move up as as high as the number three pick in the draft. So so clearly what that says to me is whatever guy they want, they don't think will be there at six if they move up. So as it sits, as I talked about on the last show. It looks like they could get Quinn Hughes, the defenseman out of Michigan, again, a bit undersized, but got great speed. He sees the ice extremely well. Oliver Wallstrom, a f- big body forward. And then uh, Adam Boquist is that other defenseman out of Sweden that would counterpart Rasmus Dahlin, who obviously is getting the most attention. So moving to number three, let's, ju- let's just go with that. Is that what they're going to do? If they're going to trade up, they're going to number three because if they move in anywhere in between... It's just a matter of who gets taken before them, obvious before the wings pick, obviously. So I'm gonna put the wings at three. And so what that says to me is they could be looking at a guy like Philip Zadina, who has been moving around between second, third, fourth, as far as where he's ranking on the prospects list. So I think the tail of the tape is that people are expecting the wings to take a defenseman. Now Zadina is a forward playing in the Quebec Major Junior League who's had an outstanding year, but if that's the guy they're looking at at three, obviously let's 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 just go with the narrative that Dalin is or Deline is the number one overall pick, and number two will be Andre Sveshnikov, which is the brother of Evgeny, who is a Detroit Red Wing. Which if if Sveshnikov somehow were to fall to three, if the Wings trade up, that'd be unbelievable. I'd love to have Smechnikov, not just because it'd be, oh, a cute story with his brother, but he's a great forward. He's, I, I honestly, he's, I think he's a clear cut best forward in the draft, but but Zadina might be that number three pick, and and that would leave some people wondering is, okay, so obviously in my opinion, you have to definitely go with the best player available. I think even even if defenseman seems like the obvious pick for the wings, realistically, if Zadina's there and and can and can really imp- improve your team right away, which I think he could, then I think it's a no brainer to take him at three, despite what people may say about the defensive core, or whatever. So that that's going to move me into who they're taking on defense. If they if they want to go defenseman, then that means that they think that guys like Bouchard or even like a Boquist won't be there when they when they pick at number six. So I think to me, Bouchard might be the guy they're looking at at three. Because you have teams in front of the wings like Ottawa and Arizona who Ottawa the rumor is that Eric Carlson's gonna get shipped off sometime in this offseason because he probably isn't gonna wanna sign a long term deal with Ottawa. And if that's the case, they'll be in the market for a defenseman. Uh Arizona, they can I mean they can use anyone they can get at this point. So they'll be taking a defenseman or the best player available as well. So Evan Bouchard, six foot 193 pounds, out of the London Knights in the Ontario Hockey League. The captain of the Knights, he had 87 points in 67 games this year, which is a pretty pretty nice improvement from 44 points in 68 games last season. And the big thing too is he's a righty, and and the Wings are just famous for stockpiling left-handed defensemen, and the right-handed D is a is a is a hot commodity now in the league. So, uh, they they desperately need. A top line defenseman and i I believe that they, I subscribe to the fact they could find it in this draft, whether it be Bouchard or a boquist or or a, or a Quinn Hughes, so that's where i I'm thinking if they move up to three or they move up at all, clearly they have a name in mind that they want to get that they don't think will be there at six and and whether it be that they want Zadina or i they're praying if Sveshnikov falls the number to number three and Zadina goes at two. Um, but but if not, I think that they've they have found their defenseman in the draft that they don't want to run the risk of them him being taken to Ottawa, or or Arizona, as I said. So now, if they move down, which is that's what the Athletic is reporting that they have, they have interested in, in moving down, and the the centerpiece for that is that the Wings really like Jesperi Kotkanimi, the seventeen year old center out of Finland, who has been really been moving up the ranks. If, if you look at the prospect rankings as the year has gone on this is a name that was kind of towards the bottom who was still looking at at a late first round pick but after his world junior performance I mean this kid again only seven only 17 years old but I mean he's just got great skill he's a decent body around six feet tall great skill I think the the he's playing in the top top league over in, in Finland. So this this is a guy that the Wings have been looking at. And if that's the case, if, you, if they feel they can get away with trading down and Kokanimi still being there, then by all means. I mean, the Wings, they have the ability to move. They have 11 picks in this year's draft. And the rumors that have been reported in these articles is that is that for one, they could package the, their their own sixth pick, and they also have Vegas's first-round pick, which will either be 30 or 31, depending on how they finish in the Stanley Cup. So they could package that sixth pick in the 30 or 31st, whatever that may be, to go over to the Islanders for the Islanders' 10th and 11th picks in round one, which I think would be—I'm totally fine with that because once you get to the end of the first round, I mean, yeah, you're, you're getting a, a good talent as, as a first-round pick, but at that point, that's not a guy that's going to come in right away and and impact your team. I would rather have 10 and 11 where you can get these guys if not immediately in the NHL, at least you're getting them, you know, in the AHL or or around there. Or the second option too would be Chicago would get Detroit's 6th pick and the second rounder for Chicago's 8th pick and 27th pick in the first round. And then you factor in that you would still have Vegas's pick at the end, which would I mean that's three first round picks that could potentially if they pay off could could really speed up this. I don't know if you want to call it a rebuild because they really haven't taken the whole thing down, but but that's a very viable move. So I'm curious as though, as to what they're gonna do as far as the draft goes. I just wanted to throw in a quick update about the wings because it was interesting news to me to hear that they're that they're really looking to move out of the out of that sixth pick, which is completely understandable as I've said, and I think that it just, you know, I don't know how to how to read it as far as that you have one article telling you that you're moving up and you're going to number that you're going to number uh three or or one that you're gonna move down and and so we'll see where that happens. On another note, as far as free agency goes, um, Andreas Anthony, see you. His agent and the Wings have been in talks. I guess once since the comp the combine is is going on right now in Buffalo, so there's some contract talks going on there. A lot of big big name free agents for the for the Wings like Larkin, Bertuzzi, Ferkin and uh a few other restricted free agents that I would definitely expect to be signed without question Larkin most likely being signed to a pretty long long-term deal so that's what's going on as far as as far as the front on on the wings and and we'll talk more about that as as they get closer cuz I'm sure they'll be making some moves uh, uh pretty soon as we're approaching that NHL draft. Now I, I'm going to try to keep my composure here as we move into the Pistons because it's just another day in the life of Pistons fans, is there's still no president of basketball operations, still no general manager, and still no coach. So as as far as recent news goes, Jeff Bauer, after four years with the Pistons, has officially been fired. They have parted he has parted ways. With the Detroit Pistons, and in something that was probably expected is is just obviously there's no coach, there's no president of basketball operations. You'd assume that the GM would get cleaned out as well. It was only a matter of time, and I guess it was a necessary evil. I don't I don't think Jeff Bauer would be necessarily happy with being shoved out of Detroit after. Really, it seems like he was just kind of like Stan Van Gundy's little puppet that he got to play with. Because I to me, I have no idea how how much of a hand Jeff Bauer played in anything that Stan Van Gundy was doing while he was the president of basketball operations with the Pistons. So uh, if you have not heard, Ed Stefanski was hired earlier in the week or a couple weeks ago as a senior advisor to owner Tom Gorris, and Lord knows that Gorris needs an advisor because it doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing. So I guess what Stefanski is coming in to do is just look at the current staff, uh, decide what changes need to be made and where which which sure if that's uh, he, he's a he's a proven name in the league and if that's what Goris feels like needs to be done I'm fine with that I'm fine with him coming in and at least laying the landscape but again the story is just they have been they've waited so long and I know I touched on it in the last episode of the Motown rundown but It seems like once you started, once you started to see the season kind of slip, and the Pistons had to do more and more, and it just seemed more and more improbable to grab an eight seed or any prayer at the playoffs. I feel like there should have been some knowledge to some extent of what you're going to do with Stan Van Gundy, because people in the city, you know, there's there's people that love him, they now give him give him a chance, let the man work, and there's people that. That were calling for his head. And I was probably more in the camp of wanting to see a change. And so not only is that decision not made as the year progresses, or as the Pistons were inching closer and closer to being mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, then the season ends, they move into the playoffs. And all we would hear around here was that other Van Gundy and Goris are meeting and Bowers meeting to discuss their future and they would meet and then nothing would come of it. And, and as I've said before, if, if the plan was to keep Stan around, then as much as I would disagree with it, at least that's better to have uh, some personnel in the office than to not have anyone at all, because you move into the combine and the only person who was really affiliated with the Pistons was Jeff Bauer, who, again, it was only a matter of time before he was gone, so he probably knowingly went into the combine to, I don't know, scout who they're going to take with their second pick because they don't have a first pick, as we all know. So he went in knowing that his job was probably not going to be remain secured for, for very much longer, So, and so now he's out. So So now you make the decision... Weeks after the end of the season, as the combine's looming closer, that stands not your guy, and we still sit here with no clear direction, which is now going to move me into what? What we'll start with the GM search. I've heard all kinds of names, and like Brent Barry is a name that I can I continuously will hear. Uh, Malik Rose, he's a front office executive with the Hawks, which which I would much rather have someone that's worked in the front office with a basketball team over someone like Brent Barry to come in who's I'm I'm sure he's just doing analyst work and with with whatever station he's with. And then I hear names like Chauncey Billups and Tayshaun Prince with with which I mean great. Like it, it's a great story Tayshaun comes back or Cha I'm mean, Tayshaun that was a, a new name that I read that I I couldn't believe that he would be interested. I would rather much rather have Chauncey Billups here than Tayshaun Prince in the GM role. But it's great and all. What a cute story that Chauncey comes back. He's the GM of the Pistons and he he saves the Pistons as they go and and grab their 2025 NBA championship, whatever. I when you're when you're overhaul you're clearly an overhaul happening here with, with Tom Gores has is clearly put the pieces in motion that things are changing. And so I'm not looking for a stopgap or a stopgap to to fill of the holes and in, in what this is, and just okay. Let's stop the bleeding, and you know, let's keep the big contracts around, but let's see what we can do. I'm not interested in that. So I would like to have a proven general manager to come in here that knows what he's doing and that is going to be committed to the rebuild, as far as doing whatever he can, even if he has to eat money on Blake Griffin's contract to hopefully alleviate that pressure a Reggie Jackson contract figuring out what to do with Andre Drummond because I couldn't tell you what to do with the guy, trade him, keep him. I have no idea. And so that's that's what I'd like to see is, is someone who's committed to moving this team in the right direction. And you need to fill in a president of basketball ops and a GM before you bring in a coach. Because if you hire a coach, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pigeonhole you that much more when you're trying to find a GM because I mean, I don't know. Let's say let's say you bring in Dwayne Casey as your is your next head coach and whoever you bring in for the GM, you know, if you wanted to bring in Chauncey and Chauncey says, "Well, that's that's not the guy I wanted. I have no interest." So, I am really hoping I, I I would hope that they're smart enough in that in that front office to know that that's the path that you have to take. But if we're going to move to the coaches now, you hear names like Jason Kidd, Kenny the Jet Smith, who I, I don't know how his name pops up as a candidate for your head coach, but I can't say I'm surprised. And then Dwayne Casey, who seems like to be the most proven coach that's, that's being interviewed. And look, I know Dwayne Casey, people have their opinions on him as far as he's not a great coach. He got lucky with a good team in Toronto. He can't win in the playoffs, whatever. I mean, if that's the guy they want, at least he's he's proven to to do something. So. So that's all fine and dandy. And then what I think is the most interesting storyline in Detroit or even in the state of Michigan is John Beeline interviewing for the job. And my my initial reaction to that was I feel like every single year you hear about, oh, Tom Izzo is drawing interest from this team and this team. And is he going to go, you know, is he going to the NBA, which I, I would be shocked if Tom Izzo ever coached in the NBA, not because he's not capable of it, but I just think he's. You know, built whatever he has at Michigan State, and he seems to be like a a just a pivotal uh, college coach. And you look at John Beeline, who is sixty five years old, and is built. I mean, I will I will go on record in saying, as a student at Michigan State University, that I believe that John Beeline, in recent years, has built and has has managed a better basketball program than what's been at Michigan State in recent years as far as taking what he has talent wise and doing what he's done with them obviously making the national title run this past year so he's he's got a great program at Michigan and I, I really would like to get out in the open that I'm not necessarily subscribing to the fact that Beeline would come to the Pistons to coach I think that one of the great things about John Beeline is he's great with the young talent I mean there's there's names that we saw on the floor for Michigan this year that, you know, smaller names are not coming. They're not five-star recruits like Duke gets and Kentucky gets and even Michigan State gets at times. But he gets guys to play together, to buy into the program. They play hard. They play great team defense. And you saw what he did with them this year. And I remember hearing interviews with Beeline who he he really just seems like not the kind of guy who's really caught up on on wins and losses, which I definitely respect. He he's he's a guy that he truly truly loves his players, both you know on the court as basketball players, but also with with just being being people. And he's a teacher. He himself I think is a is a is a student of the game and and is all about player development. And so that's one thing that if Beeline were to come here, if there one if there was one thing that would pull. Me or persuade me to want Beeline to come to Detroit is that if they want to go with this rebuild and if they want to try to get a, get these some of these big veteran contract veteran contracts away and if if they were to try to go with the youth movement here, I think that John Beeline would be a great candidate to really cultivate the young the young talent because I know in the past Stan Van's, Stan Van Gundy's been he's butted heads with guys like Drummond and, and some of the younger guys who aren't, don't really, don't really appreciate, or, or I don't want to say appreciate, but they don't really, uh, they're not used to or not inept to the kind of style that Stan Van Gundy teaches where, you know, he'll get on you, he'll call you out in the media, stuff like that. So that's why Beeline might be a great candidate. But again, I, I don't, I don't think that Michigan fans need to worry I think that Michigan State fans are, you know, probably gonna be a little upset when I say this, because I for one, if Beeline's out of there and, and that program take a step back, I mean I'd be all for it. But I I don't see him as a name that or as a is a guy that obviously the, the Pistons seriously, you know, considered him a contender for the job, but I don't think that B line would be making the move over to the Pistons anytime soon. I just I I really do think that he'll ride out his time in the sunset at Michigan and and that'll be it for him. But now, I I, I want to wrap it up, and as before, we move on to the Tigers. Here is just my final thoughts, and I'm sure we're gonna have to talk about this again because either it's gonna be more talk about how the Pistons have done nothing, or now they're doing something, and we have to talk about it. But just to wrap it up, I, I I'm not I'm not interested in bringing someone in, as I said, as kind of a to put a cap on the holes of the sinking ship that is the Detroit Pistons to where they're going to come in and go, oh, yeah, let's we can, we can keep all these big contracts. We don't need to make trades. We don't need to go out and acquire draft picks. We don't need to get younger. We don't need to shake up the... I'm not interested in that because whatever has been going on with the Pistons for the last... I mean, I would even say last decade, it's clearly not working. And I'm not interested... In bringing in, uh, Dwayne Casey or whatever you want to bring in for the GM, if their goal is just to let's just use what we have and let's try to make the playoffs as a six through eight seed in the East, then you know maybe one of these years we'll get to the second round and then and then get knocked out and not get embarrassed in the first round. If that's if that's the mindset, then then I might need to find a different team to watch because that's. In today's NBA, I, I, the the narrative for a while, especially when LeBron came back to Cleveland and and then you know the Warriors started to build that dynasty that they are, and we see today, the narrative was kind of like, okay, well no one's beating LeBron in the East, no one's no one's knocking off the King. It's a lost cause in the East. You just got to be happy if you make the playoffs. That's not the case anymore because you look at the teams in the East. I, in my opinion, I think Boston. Especially when they get Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward back, that's going to be the best team in the East right out the gate. I think there's no question. You look at the Sixers with Embiid and Fultz and Simmons, and they're coming into their own. That whole trust the process thing has clearly paid off because they put together a pretty solid playoff run. Fultz has been funny all year with his shoulder and. You know Simmons was was actually healthy this year. He he is obviously a contender for the Rookie of the Year. Then a team like Toronto, I I really feel like, and I I hate to be this cynical about, him, but I I I feel like LeBron James ended the Toronto Raptors with what he did to them in the, in that series, because I, I mean you fire you fire the coach, so you you have to kind of start over in some regard, but. I think it's only a matter of time before guys like Lowry and DeRozan and that that whole experiment's gonna gonna fall apart because people were looking at them as coming in uh, top of the East that they were oh yeah they'll they'll beat the Cavs they'll go to the they'll go to the finals they'll give the Warriors or the Rockets a run and clearly that's not the case so the point being is that we're not looking at the East anymore as this this unachievable climb to the top of a mountain to to meet LeBron James and because. I mean, this summer, who knows what LeBron's going to do, which is not a conversation that we need to get into, but if he were to leave the East, or even if he were to stay in Cleveland, I mean, we've we've all seen what or how dismal that team performs, and no one on that Cavaliers team scares me at all besides LeBron James, so it's clearly a different landscape of the NBA because now we're seeing teams like the Houston Rockets are putting up at least somewhat of a fight with, with the Warriors, who seem like this team that can't be beaten, and And, you know, even teams like the Pelicans and in like the Timberwolves and the Bucks that are now starting to put pieces together, it's creating more of an equal playing field. And I know that we have Cavs, Warriors again in the finals. But again, the point being is this is not the same NBA. You can take the time. I'm fine with you taking the time. I mean, the Tigers are doing it. Several teams have done it. If you want to go back to basketball, the Sixers are the, the poster child for. Trusting the process and doing this kind of stuff, burn the whole thing down. Get your right people in as far as basketball ops, president of the basketball ops, GM, and coach, so that we don't have to continue to change up the personnel every three, four years. Who are your guys that you want that you think is going to put this team in the right direction? And I'll tell you what, Tom Gorris, that direction better be that you burn the thing down. You acquire some draft picks. You stop trading away the only things you have going for you, which are the draft picks, because when you play as bad as your team does, you're going to be getting some pretty decent, decent numbers in the draft. So burn it down. Let's move on with the whole, oh yeah, you know, we're 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 the Pistons and we got this, you know, pretty the bad boys. And it's it's time to move on. It's a new era of Pistons basketball. It was it was, you know, it was in 4 05, those years with Chauncey and Rasheed and Ben and Tayshaun and Rip, great years. That, that era moved on. Then you had a little in-betweener time. Then you had the Stan Van Gundy era. It's time for a change. I'm not interested in just making the playoffs. Let's make some moves and get your right guys in that you think are going to do that. So now that we're off the Pistons, we can talk our, our last topic here, the Detroit Tigers which seems to be, as I've said before, between them and the Lions, the most promising team in the city of Detroit. And I mean, this team is is just fun to watch. And I, everyone kind of has mixed emotions, I feel like, as far as, all oh, this team's great. Let's make a playoff push. Why can't we make the playoffs? Whatever. And there's people, it's like, what is going on? Like, they need to tank and whatever. And we'll get into all that. But I went to the game on Memorial Day against the Angels when it was like 150 degrees outside, and and they just stomped on the Angels, and that was that was like a nine three nine two victory. And granted, the next day I think they got they got beat actually by the same score or a similar score, but that when when the Angels came into town, I feel like one of the one of the things with the with the Tigers that was really holding people from from buying in was that like. Oh, like like who are the Tigers playing? They're playing the White Sox, and they're playing the Royals, and they're playing the Twins. Like they're not playing any good teams. So now the Angels come in, and the Blue Jays are in town right now, and 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 they'll see the Yankees and the Red Sox coming up. So to get that first game over the Angels in a in a pretty dominant fashion, I think is is just a good sign that th- this team can rise to the occasion and play. And the story all year long that I just cannot get over is this team never quits. It doesn't matter what inning it is. It doesn't matter who's in the lineup. It doesn't matter who's on the mound. This team's going to play all nine innings. And and maybe you can attribute that to the culture in the clubhouse. I'm sure that's that's the message from the veterans is, you know, because they, the veterans, guys like V-Mart and Miggy. I mean, as it, it, sad as it is to see they're kind of stuck in this thing, they want to win. And so I, I would assume the message is just that, like, hey, you know, why not us? Let's compete. Let's go out there every day and, and and play hard and try to win. Because, you know, while while you're doing this rebuilding, and, and I understand that that people get on this tank train, which which we'll talk about in a little bit. But while you're doing rebuilding, it for me, it's just a matter of of personnel and and who you're putting in the lineup. So a rebuild is not let's go out and acquire uh, acquire a veteran guy. Like, you know, if, if let's say if, you know, we'll just go back and it, it's not going out and getting your Justin Uptons and your Ian Kinslers and your Jordan Zimmermans. That's not rebuilding. That's just, as I've said, but like similar to the Pistons, it's just plugging the holes in the sinking ship to just add assets on assets on assets and just try to use firepower to win. That's. That's clearly not the rebuild, and that's that's what the Tigers have done for a while, and it's clearly not what they're doing anymore. So what they're doing is we've seen as you trade away guys like J.D. Martinez and you get rid of guys like Upton and Kinsler and Verlander, which now seeing Verlander being the legit Justin Verlander that that Tigers fans have seen for many years is just I, I'm happy for him, but it it, it does definitely hurt. So. Now they've kind of broken it down, and you're seeing guys like Jamer Condelario playing every day at third, Dixon Machado every day at second base, Jacoby Jones every day in the outfield. So just just because you're you're doing these things and you're and you're breaking the team down, it it doesn't necessarily mean to me that you have to lose. And I and I, I hear around, you know, radio and, and radio personalities around Detroit and other people that I talked about the Tigers, it's like, oh, why? you know, why are they winning games they should be losing and that's that's one thing about tanking that I've never understood I don't like the term tanking because I don't know as someone who's played sports all my life I, I don't know or I'm not wired to go out and try to lose games like I don't I don't know what people are expecting when they say tank like are, do you want them to go out there and and throw the ball into the stands and play bad news bears so they lose games so they get they get a, a draft pick like a high draft pick i mean first of all the mlb draft you know granted you, there's a lot of studs that come out in the top you know the top picks and the tigers obviously have the number 1 pick in this in the draft that that is that is coming tomorrow and and we and we will definitely get to the draft but um i i i don't like there's a million rounds in the in the mlb draft like you're you're going to get players regardless so i don't i don't really buy into like yeah let's lose games like I don't really care if, if 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 as long as you're taking the right steps as far as if you're gonna go to the deadline and trade a guy like Fulmer or if you're gonna trade an Iglesias or a green by all means if that's what you have to do to continue to rebuild is get rid of these big contracts then sure do it but that doesn't mean you have to go out there and try to lose there's guys out there that are that are playing there for careers. You you playing for their careers. You got guys like Nico Goodrum who's tr- who's trying to make a name for himself in the league. I mean, he's playing almost every day, and he he certainly is making a name. Guys like Jacoby Jones and Joe Jimenez, they've they're proving that they can hack it at the NLB level, and, and they're trying to really solidify the rules. I mean, Jimenez, is like a, a two-five-four ERA, twenty-eight strikeouts, and just as many innings this year. Uh, even seeing guys like Ronnie Rodriguez, the the guy hits for the cycle the day before, get calling up to the to to major the major leagues, and and he gets a hit in hit in his first game. So I don't know. I I just I feel like people that are on the on the side of you know we need to lose games and and be bad, but still have guys like you know Fulmer, like hopefully they play well, so you can trade guys like him and Iglesias and Green. I don't really buy into that. On the one front, I don't think you should trade Fulmer at all. He he really has struggled a bit this year, but I I think you know you have to give him time and let him come around. But I mean, if you can win games, let's go win some games. I mean, they the the division is not great as as everyone knows this year. The 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 Tigers are two and a half games back from first place as it sits right now. now I don't know that after the all star break and as we get into September, I don't know if we're gonna be saying that if they're still two and a half back, because I can see this team hanging around just as much as I can see them kind of falling off. But let's go win some games. Just enjoy it. I'm just I'm sick of people being so cynical about about oh they stink, they're unwatchable. I, if you look the Blue Jays game the other night or, or or yesterday, I mean it was a packed house and it was a big win. I I don't know what the what the gripe is. You just you have to accept that this is the direction of the team. They're taking all the right strides. It's not like they're in the situation of like the Pistons where they're stagnant and they're screwed and they're doing nothing. They're taking the right strides. So I say to you while while we're sitting here talking about the the future of this team is I I really do think the future is bright. And maybe I'm being naive because they're not even that many games into the season. Uh, for on a in the grand scheme of things and in and, and, you know guys can get hot guys can get cold guys can get hurt so I just think while while we're sitting here now as fans I'm telling you just enjoy it because it's going to make it that much sweeter when this team's actually competing in a few years and then has the the money and the wherewithal to go out and purchase big players big name players that can come in and they can be buyers at the deadline and then that's exciting and and who knows? But as for now, the team's won four straight. Blaine Hardy got his second win of the year, and, and they've kind of put him in that new starter role. Which through two games, he's looked he's looked pretty good. I don't mind having Blaine Hardy in there while guys like Liriano are on the DL, Stump is on the DL, Miggy now is just is just coming back. So it's the team, like I said. No, again, Toronto's not great. The Angels are. They are what they are. I think they're they're a solid team. I got the they got the best player to in baseball, and Mike Trout on that team, and Otani, you know, the the Tigers had to deal with Otani while they were in town, but, but look, it's, it's just going back to the whole, the whole point about, about what you're expecting from this team this season, and that's, and that's, that's really what I, what I want to open up, and at least, you know, while we don't really have a great connection right now, as the is, this is obviously a new show, and we will definitely get you guys the listeners and and the fans involved as as time goes on but i'm curious to th- to to know what what the feeling is as far as what your expectations are for this team are you are you in the camp of we need to start or they need to start losing games they, they need guys to to play better so they can be they can improve their draft stock so i don't know for me as i've said where it, where it sits for me is that I think while you're in the situation you are, just keep winning games, have fun. It's it seems like I mean they got things like the Rally Goose th- story, and now they bring out the little Dummy Goose to all the games, which is you know funny, whatever. And people seem to be drawing more and more interest because the team's actually winning and and playing hard and 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 I just I think that I just hope people hang on and they and because I don't think that there's any reason to be cynical about the team I mean they're not terrible Not that they've won five games all year but I don't know we'll see but now now that we can kind of put aside the current situation of the team and again since the Tigers are in season we'll definitely be talking a ton of Tigers but I want to move into now the draft because the draft is is approaching us quite quickly and the Tigers have the number one overall pick. And this is a big, obviously with having any number one overall pick, this is a big spot to be in. And this potentially, you could pick a player who may be able to streamline the process of of coming in to the MLB club sooner than a lot of other kids that are going to get drafted coming up. So it looks like the Tigers have, have really narrowed down their draft prospects to a couple of guys, and the number one pick right now, as far as what what you're seeing as people around the league is is a no brainer pick, is is Casey Mize, the right the righty out of Auburn, the pitcher who has has really been said to be someone that might be able to quite honestly skip the minors completely and and just and just come right in and, and pitch for the Tigers, which I'm. It's especially someone that's that's in college at Auburn, like like Casey Mize is. I don't think there's any reason to rush arms specifically. Position players may be a bit different. Like if they if they have the bat to play at the major league level, then by all means. I feel like with pitchers, you're you're facing much better competition in pro ball. There's no reason to rush this kid up, and that's assuming that they take him. He's he's really. He he he's really emerged as like this is the clear cut guy you have to take overall and this draft too it's not a great draft where you're going to be pulling a guy like Bryce Harper or Chris Bryant it, it hasn't been reported to be to be one of those drafts but but Casey Mize clearly is the best player available he's got a big league frame he's he's a big body he has a commanding presence on the mound and he he's a power pitcher I mean he's got a power arm I mean he, whole. He'll throw some some gas by it, and he really has been one of the top prospects all all year long. And so that that raises the question to Tigers fans of like, why another pitcher? Because they have so many pitchers in the farm system, like a Bo Burrows or a Matt Manning, Alex Fierdo, guys like that, Franklin Perez. I mean, the list goes on and on. So it. To some people, it's like, why are you not taking a position player, and and why are we not taking an out? Why are they not taking an outfielder or a middle infielder or, or, or things like that? And and honestly, when it comes to baseball, especially, I think that you really just have to go after the top guy. And clearly, Casey Mize has is, is proven himself to be the top guy in the draft. And you can never have enough arms because whether or not you use, I mean, you bring in a guy like Casey Mize and you keep guys like Manning and Burrows and Fieedo and. And and if you draft Mize and and Perez, like I said, if you keep all those guys, I mean that could as as long as they all pan out, or even if a handful of them pan out, that's huge to have those kind of arms that can play for your team. And and these are guys that you will see as the as the years go on and as the season goes on that will come up and get some time and see and can see their stuff at the major league level. And if these guys can pan out, this Tigers team is going to be scary. And I think that they're they're banking on the fact that these guys that I've named as they develop will be guys that you will see every day. You'll see this crop of guys that I named playing at the same time on the roster. And if these guys can just be some young stud arms, I mean, this, the Tigers can get dangerous. And that's where, again, when it comes down, you know, three to five, maybe six years down the line. And these guys are having time in the, in the major league level, that could be your what you carry or the back that you ride on to to get to a, a World Series, and so just looking at looking at other players in the draft, Joey Bart, the catcher out of Georgia Tech, uh, he's he's a name that's come up is one of the better pitching players. Alec Alec Baum, uh, Brady Singer is a pitcher, the pitcher out of Florida, a righty as well. Uh, he, he's another name that the Tigers are seriously looking at, at number one. And that to me says that he, that they really will go pitcher number one. I mean, the, the, the couple names have been Mize and, and Brady Singer. And so if if that's the case, that, that clearly says to me that they're looking to go with, with a pitcher. And if that's the case, I think you have to go Casey Mize. I mean, he's realistically like that's, that's the number one overall pick, as I've said, so, so we'll, we'll see, uh, with guys like this, obviously major league baseball is very similar to, to like, like hockey in the sense where you, you draft these guys and you know, they may go play college. If you get them out of high school, they may, you know, you may not see them for a couple of years, but, but drafting a guy like Casey Mize with with what the scouting report has been on him. And again, there's, this isn't like a star started draft with guys that are going to come blow up the major leagues right away, but if this is someone who's being reported by scouts is that can come into the major league level and and make an impact almost right away then i think that's a pretty clear choice to make. And as i've said, if if you can develop the arms and whether you use some of these arms for trade bait to get other other pieces, i i think what i what i'm seeing now is, is is one thing you can take away too from the tigers and how they've done this year is Ron Gardenhire is is the man. I mean, i'm i and it's almost upsetting to think like if Gardenhire was the guy when when Osmus came in like who knows what that team could have been like with the roster that they had so I think the direction they're moving in the right direction I encourage you to stick on board with the Tiger because as I've said it's going to be much sweeter if you don't give up on the team now when they actually start winning significantly and and I, I'm really happy with what I what I've seen with this team so with that we'll look forward to the MLB draft for the Tigers. Uh that is all for episode 2 of the Motown Rundown. I appreciate you sticking with me as we as we get into our Detroit sports teams as as upsetting and depressing as they may be. I really think the future is bright and I'm looking forward to as time goes on to get you the listener involved and and have some great conversations and we'll talk through Again, all things Tigers, Pistons, Lions, Red Wings. The, obviously the the Lions season is approaching and the Tigers are full swing. So I'll be sure to keep you updated with all that good stuff. We'll we'll mix in some some more lions. I apologize for not getting to them today, but hey, I mean, nothing's going on really. The training camps upon us and and, and we'll see what shakes out there. But that's all for the Motown Rundown, Episode 2. I am your host. Ryan Rabinowitz, thank you for being with me today and looking forward to talking to you guys soon.